Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. here for today and what we're doing. We are in this series called All In, and the last few weeks, like I said, we, uh, the first week we talked about consecration. Just for review, if you missed it, consecration is a churchy word that we use. It talks about preparation. This was about the saints who would prepare themselves for when God said move. They were ready to go and ready to jump when he, whenever he said so. If you want to be all in for Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, you need to be prepared and ready to go. And so we talked about consecration. The second week, we talked about denying ourselves. What's denying ourselves? Denying our flesh, denying ourselves and picking up our cross and following Jesus. That was the second week. The third week we talked about, just last week, we talked about pressing on and what it means to press forward. That's forgetting what's behind us and striving towards what is ahead. That's how we press forward. So, uh, so it's, it's been a great series and, and really great. And today we are going to look at being all in the form of obedience. Okay, And we're going to look at that through the eyes of being a disciple. Because we, we say around here, we know you're a di- disciple because you're asking two questions, right? What is Jesus saying and what am I doing in response to that? So the second part of being a disciple or the second question there is an act of obedience. He's telling me to do something and now I must obey, right? And so we're going to look at the obedience part of it this week and uh, we're going to do that through the eyes or the story rather of Noah. Now, I want to call some attention to something and just be a pastor for a second. This is outside of the the message today, but I'm going to be a pastor for just a second. Um, The movie that is out... If you've seen the movie and you've never read the account in Genesis 6, 9, let me encourage you to do that, okay? Now, I'm not going to be that guy who tells you to see the movie or to not see the movie. That's, I don't feel like that's my role. I feel like as your pastor, it is my job to inform you, okay? The, uh, the, the guy, Ken Ham, is a creationist, uh, and he just debated Bill Nye on national television. I don't know if you caught that or not, but that's who Ken Ham is. And here's what he said about the, the movie Noah. He said, ultimately, there is barely a hint of biblical fidelity in this film. It is an unbiblical, pagan film from its start, okay? Darren Aronofsky, the guy who created the film, he is a known atheist, and he said it is the least of this movie, of the movie that he created. He said it is the least biblical of Bible-themed films. So if you have never read the story of Noah, and you are counting on this movie to give you a biblical depiction of what has happened, you are missing the mark, okay? Uh, from, from the fact that the, the, the only thing that is biblical in there is the fact that there's a big boat, there is a flood... Lots of people die. Noah, his son's names, and Noah's grandfather, Methuselah, who was around, those names are correct, but they depict Methuselah as sort of a witch doctor. They depict Noah as having the dream of the flood after he drank some magical potion. Like, and even in the beginning of this movie, they say, in the beginning there was nothing. And yet our Bible says, in the beginning, God. Right? In the beginning, God. And so they have done everything they can to remove God from this movie. So since we're talking about Noah, I figured I was going to get some comments and some questions about the movie. So 
From your pastor, let me tell you that this movie is not biblical. It is godless, I will tell you. Okay, so watch it with, with those kind of eyes if you'd like to. But I, I think it's sad. It is really sad to me that people who have heard the story of Noah will watch this movie and think that that's the real account. It makes me sad. And that a lot of Christians are in the same boat. No pun intended there. But, the, but a lot of Christians are in the same boat that they will never know the true story of Noah because they just won't read that account in their Bible. So read it, Genesis 6 through 9. All right, cool. That was me being a pastor. Public service announcement over. All right. If you need a Bible today, we're going to be in Genesis. We are going to look at portions of the story. Uh, my service hosts have Bibles. If you don't own a Bible, we would love to bless you with the Bible. If you just put your hand in the air, we'd love to give that to you today. And you can take that home. It is yours forever or until the pages wear out and you can't read it anymore. The service hosts have them. Just slip your hand up like that. All right. So, But the verses will also be up on this screen. So we're going to be in Genesis 6. And uh, this is verses 5 through 6. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. Right? And, the every, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all of the time. Sort of sounds like today, right? It's the kind of world we're living in. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth. Okay? So this is the setting of Noah, right? Everything is wicked. Everybody is wicked. And the only intent, the only thing that they think about is wickedness. Man's condition had degraded, right? From the time where Adam's walking in the garden with God to this point, they are all wicked, okay? And so God is looking at them and he's, he's going to destroy the human race, but he finds one family, one man that is righteous, and he says to him, I'm going to save you as a remnant. I'm going to keep you so that he doesn't start all over. So he tells a guy in a desert to build something that he had never seen before because something was going to fall from the sky that had never fallen before, right? So he tells Noah, there's no water around here, but I want you to build a boat, okay? And it's never rained before, so... It's going to rain. And Noah's like, okay, so water's going to fall from the sky. Great. This is a crazy request from God. And I don't know about you, but if God had ever said anything like that to you, what would you do, right? He's asked Noah to build something. Here's, the, here's some details on the length of this thing and how big it was so that you have a concept of it, which is, by the way, in the uh, Creation Museum in Louisville or nearby Louisville, they are in the process of building a replica of the ark. So when it is completed, I would, I would encourage you to go see it because it'll blow your mind how big it is. The length of it was one and a half football fields, right? It's 150 yards long. The design ratio was 35-30, which is still today considered the golden standard for stability at sea, right? So the standard that God set in Genesis is still the standard that is today, okay? Uh, the ark could hold 569 boxcars. These are what the semi-truck trailers are, right? That's how many of them could fit inside of there. If the average animal was the size of a sheep, then 125,000 of them could have fit on the boat. That would be 60 national zoos on this boat. It was huge. It was huge. And so God asked him to do it. He says, no power tools. No heavy lifting, no bobcats, no nothing. You're going to do this. In fact, uh, you know, this project took 120 years. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I tell my kids to do something at home, they get sidetracked within three minutes. You know what I'm saying? They, it's like herding cats. It's, it really is bad. And, um, and here Noah is project managing and involved in this project for 120 years. Honestly, I would lose my ever-loving mind. I don't know how he did it. Most of us will never have the opportunity to do that because we don't the human life is not, the expectancy is not that long anymore, but, but, uh, but Noah, Noah did it, right? An ancient Jewish tradition even says that Noah would have had to have planted the trees 
that he used. Now that's that's extra biblical. That's outside of the Bible's scope. You won't read that in the story. But we do. The, the Jewish tradition says that he planted all those trees, which makes sense that it took 120 years to build this boat, right? And so not only did he plant the trees, but he had to convince his family, his sons, that he wasn't crazy to come and help him build this boat. So as far as we know, it was just him and his three boys for 120 years. This act of obedience is the longest act of obedience that was ever recorded in the Bible. 120 years. That's 43,800 days. Okay? And he finally built the boat. And you're probably wondering how he would get all the animals in the boat, right? So like I imagine, you know, we, we want to imagine Noah going, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Oh, dear God, that's not a kitty. You know what I'm saying? Like running from the cats or whatever it is. And if you've ever tried to call a cat, you know that a cat does not come, right? It just doesn't. I used to be a cat person. So if you're a cat person, I feel sorry for you. I became a dog person and I learned that dogs are very obedient. They come and they do what they're told, right? So, but anyway, so, so just, just, that's my dig at kitties, but, um, <laughs> but the Bible says that the animals came to him. He didn't go after them, right? They all came to him. And you gotta, you gotta imagine this, right? I imagine like a red carpet is rolled out at the gate, right? And, you know, and maybe, and, and so Moses, or not Moses, but uh, Noah's like, uh, all right, you, you're in, you're in. Nope. We, sorry, this is awkward. We've already got some goats on the boat. Sorry, we can't, uh, can't let you in. We've already got some. Sorry about your luck there. You're going to die. Have a nice day. You know, maybe this is what happened to the unicorns, right? They showed up and Moses is like, no, or Moses, I keep saying Moses. Noah, Noah's like, uh, he's like, no, he's, we, we've already got some horses on here. And that's what happened to the unicorns. That's why they didn't survive, you know. But we've got a horn. That's it's okay. Fashion accessory. Move along. <laughs> I, I've, I, I'm, I'm a weird dude, okay? I imagine this. Like T-Rex handing, handing his pass to Moses. To Mo, Moses, gosh. Noah, Noah, giving his pass to Noah. <laughs> Little arms. T-Rex, guys, T-Rex. So Noah did all the Lord commanded him. All the animals get into the boat, and then God shuts the door, and he shuts them in, right? And then it rains, 40 days and 40 nights, right? And then it subsides, right? So God made an incredible way of escape through Noah's, Noah's obedience. I'll get it right before the end of the message. Now, once on the boat, they didn't touch soil for 376 days, okay? Now, I know it rained 40 days, 40 nights, but we're talking water that was over the highest mountain peak by about 20 feet, okay? So the whole earth covered with water, and now that has to subside. That has to evaporate. That has to go somewhere, and so the water's got to go down, and so they had to stay on there for 376 days. Can I, can I just take you somewhere disgusting for a moment? Can you imagine the smell on the boat? Like, have you ever driven down through the country and you just get a good smell of manure and it's like, whoa, it kind of burns the nostrils a little bit, you know? Maybe you roll up the windows and you, hopefully you've got an air freshener there and you start rubbing it on your face, you know, and you're just doing one of those kind of things. Anybody? No, is it just me? Okay, all right. Well, so imagine that with no windows because it's raining outside, there's nothing open, there's no breeze going on, and you've got 125,000, let's just call it 125,000 animals in there with manure. Like, I have no idea what they did with it. I have no idea if they had a chute or indoor plumbing. I have no idea, but I imagine that it had to smell. And I can hardly tolerate that for 20 minutes. That's why I don't live in the country, right? But these guys did it for 376 days. This disgusting part of the sermon was brought to you by the letter black. (laughs) 
But God spared Noah through his obedience, right? And so Noah's obedience made him look foolish in the eyes of man. And sometimes that's what faith does. If you didn't, don't think that Noah had doubts, I'm sure that he did. I'm sure he had questions. But let's be honest, right? If we had a hard time, uh, we have a hard time when God asks us to wait like two weeks, don't we? We have a hard time waiting, being patient. And here's a guy for how many years? So many years. Ah, 43,800 days. But God only asks us to obey. And the definition of biblical obedience is to hear God's word and act accordingly, right? God does the miracle. We just do the obeying part. And God just told Noah to build the boat. That's all he had to do. The miracle part, the salvation of mankind through his family was God's miracle, right? And if we're truly following Jesus as a disciple, then we have to live a life of constant obedience. Obedience. So let me ask you, is there an area of your life you are living in disobedience? You don't have to answer that out loud. It's just a thought. It's just a question. Noah simply obeyed and was saved and saw miraculous things. And God only asks us to obey. And it's when we obey, we prove God's promises by putting them into practice. In the Hebrew language, there is no difference between knowing something and doing something. They're one and the same. In other words, if you aren't doing something, you don't know something, right? Uh, I'd say that the sad state of Christianity Christianity today is that we are educated far above our level of obedience, right? In other words, we know more than we're actually willing to do, right? We know what the Bible says. We just don't apply it to our lives. Well, we want to chase around other people and thump them with the truth. But when it comes to our lives and looking at our lives to the truth of the gospel, we take a pass. We're like, no, that's, that's not cool. But in being a disciple, this can't be so. We have to to know and we have to do or have to obey, right? And when we obey God, we live in God's blessing because his favor and his blessing follows obedience always. And God's love always comes without conditions. It's unconditional in its nature. But God's blessings always come with conditions. When we live according to God's plan, we reap the benefits of that, right? God's promises say, if you do this, then I will do that. If you hunger after me, then you will be filled. If you call on my name, then you will be saved. If you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, then he will flee, right? There's always come near to me, then I'll come near to you. It takes an act of obedience on our part, and God's favor and blessing will follow that. So what is favor? If you don't know what favor is, let me explain what favor is for a moment. A moment of favor is worth years of work. Okay, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to put that on the slides up there, so I'll say it again. A moment of favor is worth years of work. Everybody, anybody like to go to movies? Everybody loves movies, right? Go to the movie theater, and it's one of those blockbuster movies. So what are you going to deal with? It's opening night. There's a long line. Not for this guy, because I know the manager at the movie theater. And when I was in line, I forget what movie it was, but I just remember I went, in, I went in and the manager saw me and I'm going to pay and he says, nah, you don't have to pay. He says, tickets are on me. I go get in line. The manager's walking around. He sees me standing in line. He says, come here. Walks me out from the front of the line, walks me into the theater in front of everybody 10 minutes before it opened and I got the seats that I wanted and I sat down. That's favor. See, I would have had to pay for my tickets. I would have had to wait in line like everybody else. That's what everybody else is doing, but I had favor. That's what favor is, right? Now, let me tell you something. What else comes with favor? And part of that story is a lot of haters, a lot of haters when you have favor, because when everybody who'd been standing in that line for hours walked into the movie theaters and saw my happy butt sitting there in a chair with popcorn that I didn't pay for, which they didn't know, that would have made it worse, I think. But they see me sitting there and I'm already popping popcorn. They get really, really mad that you are sitting there and you didn't have to wait like they did. 
So it brings lots of haters. But that's what favor is, right? A moment of favor is worth years of work. And God only asks us to obey in order to get that kind of favor. Now, obey is a simple four-letter word that is very easy to say, but in action is very difficult to do, isn't it? It is so hard to do. And sometimes obedience is easy, especially when it's something we want to do, right? Like, I get resistance from my kids from time to time, but when I say, hey, kids, go get in the car. We're going to get ice cream. It is like, whoa! Yes, it is so easy. They're in the car quicker and you can blink. And they're like, dad, we're doing a great job obeying right now, right? And it's like, yeah, well, you know, this is something you want to do, you know, so this is not, uh, this doesn't really count. But, uh, but it's when it's difficult to obey that it really counts, right? So when obedience requires faith, for us, it's difficult when it requires faith because we can't see. We can't see in the natural things working out. And so it's in those moments when God is testing our faith and it's always directly linked to our obedience. Will we obey? And if it doesn't require risk, it doesn't require faith. I've said this multiple different ways over the past few weeks. If it doesn't require risk, it doesn't require faith. God will many times allow our faith to grow through our obedience, right? But many times there's fear. We have to push through our fear. We have to push through our insecurities and through our past failures in order to obey. Researchers have, have found that loss in our lives looms greater than the gains that we've experienced, right? In other words, the aversion to loss is greater than the attraction to gain. To put it simply, our fear of losing is greater than our desire to win. We're so afraid of making the wrong decision that we make no decision, which is called indecision. And indecision, in and of itself, is actually a decision. Confused? You're with me. Okay, good. All right. But when you boil it down, it's very simple. We just have to obey. And God only asks us to obey, and our obedience glorifies God. Now, in church, we say this word glorifies, right? Glorify God. Is that, is that when I'm singing a song? Is that when I say, glory to your name, God, and I raise my hands and I sing pretty, or in my case, you don't sing pretty. Either way, you're singing, is that, what, is that what glorifying God is? Is that saying, God, you're awesome, you're great? Well, sure, that's giving glory to God. But I didn't really understand glorifying God until I became a parent, right? I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't understand it. See, we have this spiritual father and spiritual son and daughter relationship, right? He's our heavenly father. And he is to receive glory. Well, how does he receive glory? How can I glorify him? I had somebody come up to me the other day in, in regard to my children, they said, man, your kids are so well-behaved. Now, not always. Don't get me wrong. Listen, I know I've got little stinkers, okay? But the, on this particular day, they were shining examples for me. It was great. And they came up and said, man, your kids were so well-behaved today. Your son did this, and your daughter did this, and they're so generous, and I really appreciated this and that. And, man, I'm just, like, beaming inside. What's happening? I'm receiving glory. I'm rece- it's glorifying me. It's making me look good because they said, you're doing a great job parenting. That's what it turned out to be, right? I was receiving glory through my sons and daughters. It was the way they were behaving, the way they acted towards each other and other people that made me look good. And I love that day. Now, I typically respond, well, that's because I beat them. But anyway, so it's just a joke. It's just, they behave because I beat them. I don't, I don't really. But it's always, you can say anything you want to with a smile on your face, folks. I'm just letting you know. But if God asks, something, asks you to do something, he will always make a way to do it, right? And so Noah had an incredible opportunity to make excuses, to say that he couldn't. But with God's help, he did. So there are two kinds of people in this world, right? Those who ask why and those who ask why not. The why people always look for excuses when they're told to do something, don't they? Why? Why? Why should I do that? 
Why? Why do I have to go to bed? Why do I have to take a shower? And this is just my kids, right? The why not people, <laughs> the why not people look for opportunities, right? They look for opportunities to do. And so which one are you? If God puts something in your heart, let me encourage you to go all in and live a life of obedience. Because our obedience glorifies God. Okay? Don't let what you cannot do keep you from what you can do. There's a whole lot of things I can't do. I can't play professional sports, but does does that mean I should never play kickball or do anything like that? No, of course not. I should always play something and do something in regard to that. If we wait until we're completely ready, we will most likely wait our entire lives, won't we? And God just wants obedience. How do we obey? Well, that's important too. Let's look at Colossians 3, 17. It says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what do you do? What do you have? What can you do? You know, use whatever you have as an act of obedience. If you have a hammer, use it. If you have a laptop or an ink pen or a mop or a spreadsheet, a basketball or a microphone, whatever it is that you have, use it as an opportunity to obey. So are you living in faith? Are you continuing to walk in faith by obeying? That's the question. And maybe some of us are waiting for God to give us the next step, right? Like he says, I want you to obey this part. And you're like, well, but what's beyond that? What happens next? And God's not always going to be the one to tell us that next step. And we haven't done what he's already given us. He's not going to give us that second one for sure. We have to take that first step through faith and obey. Do what God told you to do last. If you've been praying over and over again, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? If you're one of those kind of people and you've been praying that lately, let me just help you. Go do what he told you to do last. Right? Go do whatever that is. We have to be obedient to what God told us if we want more. And I think this is why we get spiritually stuck, isn't it? We want God to tell us more before we obey. You know, my kids are like that too. Well, why? What's next? What's after? I'm, go do what I told you. I'm going to bless you. Just go be obedient now. Right? And God wants to, us to obey more before he tells us more. And the truth is we usually obey to like a certain point, right? And that point is usually the first place we have gone in the past. But truly, if we want more of God, we have to go into the unknown. The Impala is a strange character. Uh, the, the, it's, a, it's like a deer-like kind of animal, right? And the Impala can uh, jump 10 feet high and 30 feet forward when it's running. It can jump that far forward. But an impala, you would think an animal like that would be difficult to keep it in the zoo, right? Because of the way it can jump and the way it can move, but it's not. Do you know what defeats an impala? Three-foot wall. You know why? Because an impala will never jump to where it cannot see where its feet are going to land first. In other words, that three-foot wall blinds it so that it won't jump over the wall because it has no idea what's on the other side of it. And aren't we like that sometimes? We won't jump because we can't see. We don't know where our feet are going to land, but it's an act of obedience. God is asking us to jump. We're like, God, but I don't know what it's going to look like on the other side of that. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe, maybe for you, some of us in our rooms, we need to throw ourselves into that arena of faith. Maybe that's just as something as simple as sharing your faith with a friend, even though you don't know how they're going to respond, right? Or maybe it's just praying for a miracle that only God can do. Or maybe it's even go after a God-given dream that, that is destined to fail without him and without his intervention and his help. Noah simply obeyed. And we are given that same call. 
In Genesis 6, 8, we see the reward of obedience. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible says Noah was faithful and he obeyed God. And the favor of God is what you can do that you cannot do for yourself. I'm sorry, let me say that again. The favor of God is what God can do for you that you cannot do for yourself. His favor opens doors. His favor turns people's hearts. Nothing can stop God's favor. Nothing can stop it. We're in this building today. We don't pay a single dime in rent. Why? God's favor is on this church. Huh. It's amazing. There's cool things happening behind the scenes I can't even tell you guys about yet, but they've happened this week and they're so exciting. It's God's favor. It has nothing to do with me. I'm sitting minding my own business and stuff just gets dropped in my lap. It is favor. It is God blessing us because of our acts of obedience. So how do you find favor, right? Again, I just answered it. Obedience. When we were a kid, we sang a song in in Sunday school. Anybody know the obedience song? Spelled out. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Nobody was in Sunday school? All right, cool. All right, awesome. Note to self, cut that one out of the second service. Done. Done. (laughs) And so God's favor is a wonderful thing, and it comes with obedience. Obedience releases God's favor and God's blessing. So what are you supposed to do? Faith is that willingness, willingness to look foolish, right? That's what Noah did. He looked foolish to everybody else as he's building a boat. His friends, the cities around him, all the people around him had to laugh at him. Faith, that's what comes with the territory, right? You have to be willing to look foolish. And being all in is not just about getting where God wants you to go. It's also about becoming who God wants you to be along the way, right? It's not about how quick you get there. It's about how far you go. And so, you know, when we talk about the blessings of God, the blessings of God will complicate your life, right? But they complicate your life in like a good way, right? I was talking about that the favor that I found, you know, going into the movie theater. And then I had these haters like this guy was mean mugging me the entire time. He was, in the, he was in the theater. He was upset that I got in before him. And that, that's not my fault, is it? It's not my fault. This guy was just a hater. And he was mad. I'm pretty sure he threw something at me at the movie theater. I cannot, I cannot prove that statement. But I am sure that he did. And you'll get complications. But, they, but blessings complicate your life in a good way, right? Like marrying my wife. That, my life became complicated. More complicated than it was before. It was not as simple. I couldn't come and go and do what I wanted to. I now had somebody else to consider. My life became complicated. When we got married, all of a sudden she came with one complication and I had two complications. And all of a sudden we had three complications together. I'm talking about children, folks. That's what I'm talking about, right? Children are complications. They are beautiful complications, right? And I wouldn't trade my little complications for anything in the world. I love them. They are a blessing. They are a blessing to me. You know, Simple Church, when we first started, it was way less complicated when it was just a small group of us meeting in my house. And those were great times. But I wouldn't trade the complication that it is today, two services and an organ. I mean, there are so many pieces of the puzzle and, and, and the, of the machine that have to move now. It's complicated, but it's a blessing. And that's the favor of God. Wouldn't trade any of that. It's wonderful. But your life gets complicated in all the right ways. And Jesus wants your all, right? Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And I would say sometimes people wrestle with purpose, right? So let me let me set you clear. If you're if you're standing around and you're like, man, I don't know what my purpose is in life, Aaron, let me set you right. Who you are, what you're supposed to do, here it is. We're gonna put it up on the screen. Our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is a simple explanation of your life. It is to glorify God. We've already talked about how you glorify God. It's through your obedience. 
That's how you make God look with your life and what you're doing. That's how we glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Whatever we do, by what, using whatever God has entrusted to us, that's your talent, your gifts, your money, your personality, your possessions, it's honoring God. So are we honoring God or living in such a way to glorify God? What do you need to surrender to Him in order to be in obedience today? What is it? God will speak to your heart if you'll be willing to ask that question to yourself. He'll reveal it. And the final question is, are you enjoying God? You know, when, I, when I'm at home with my kids, we, you know, we like to watch uh, TV shows together, and we have a few that we watch. And The main one we, we watch is, uh, is Doctor Who. Excuse me, is my nerd showing? I apologize. But I watch Doctor Who. Any, any other Who people out there? Anybody like Doctor Who? Oh, I saw a little finger grow up. He was so shy. He was so shy. I won't even point him out, but he's back there wearing a beanie. Anyway, <clears throat> I saw a little finger like that. Yeah. Love you too, Matt. And, uh, and so we, we like to watch it. And anytime we, we watch it, I have a chair in the living room that the family has dubbed as my chair. I never said it was my chair, but it's become my chair. And I sit in it, and it's, it's big enough. Actually, the, the arm on it's kind of broke this way, so somebody can sit next to you really easy. And... Uh, and a child will climb up in my lap, always. And they cuddle up with me, and they want to get up underneath my blanket with me. And they've been like this, you know, ever since they were little. My, my boys are 12. My daughter's going to be 11. Oh, good Lord, in a month or so. <laughs> and she likes to climb up in Daddy's lap. And she wants me to, to, to pet her back or to play with her hair. Or, you know, my boys, I, I, ever since they were little, I would, I would just kind of pet them right here on their forehead and go down their nose, and then their eyes kind of slowly close and sometimes they go to sleep not during the show but you know they enjoy that we enjoy that together and they're when you look at that they're enjoying their dad just time with him and we have to do that too because we are not only to glorify God through our obedience but we are to also enjoy God forever are you enjoying your relationship with God are you taking time to sit in dad's lap and just let him hold you but what does that look like? Well, that can look like alone time with you as you pray or as you sing to him or as you just hang out with him. Are you enjoying God? It's a cool thought. But our lives are about glorifying God in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. There is no circumstance that you could ever be in where you can't do that. Maybe some of you, you've got a job that you absolutely hate. Well, you can glorify God in that job by doing the best you can possibly do there. The issue is not what you're doing. The real issue is why are you doing it and for whom are you doing it, right? Why are you doing it? Are you doing it for a paycheck or are you doing it to glorify God? It's different. Well, I talk to my kids about doing their schoolwork and about getting good grades and giving the best effort they can. It's not for the grade. It's not for the financial reward I'm going to give them. It's to glorify God in their lives. I talk to my kids that way because that's what it's about. That's what it's about. You know, and, and oftentimes we go, why? Well, maybe it's because of the difficult situations that you're in. The, the best of you has the opportunity to come out. Maybe that's what God wants. It's for the best of you to present itself on a regular basis. That's how the fruit of the Spirit is, is born in our lives, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things are easy to do on your own. But it's when you're in difficult situations, when somebody is being a bugger, you got to be patient, right? Somebody's being hateful that you still need to love and be kind. That's when it's important. And that's what God has called us to do.
as we obey, as we glorify God, we will walk in his favor and his blessings. Are you all in today? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your blessing on this day, for the beautiful worship that we enjoyed today and, and just being in your presence. It was such a sweet, sweet, tender presence. I felt it, Lord. I felt you here, and I know that you're here now working and moving among us, moving among our hearts, challenging us, Lord. Father, I pray that we would, could be all in, Lord, and that we could really know that this is a truth, this is a reality, that obedience brings blessing and favor in our lives in ways that we could not get it ourselves. And that not only that, Lord, but, but the blessing and the perk of, of enjoying you, Lord, and then the call to glorify you in all that we do. I pray strength for everybody here today. You know, maybe, maybe you'd be willing to say, as you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe, maybe you can say, you know what, identify something. Maybe you, you want to identify something and say, you know what, I need to use this to glorify God through obedience by doing whatever that action may be. Or maybe you've got a circumstance where you know that you can be glorifying God and you haven't been. You have the opportunity to shift that now and make a decision. I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to give him honor by the way that I behave in this situation. If that's you, I, I would pray that you would just make that commitment now to take hold of that and be obedient. If you're here today and you're in this room and you've never ever said yes to Jesus as Lord of your life at all, you don't know him, you, you, you hear what we're talking about and you're like, man, a relationship with God? How is this even possible? It's possible through Christ. It's possible through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. In his death, his burial, his resurrection. Our sins are forgiven. And eternity in heaven is promised. If you're here today and you want to make that commitment, I'm going to count to three. I would just ask you to raise your hand when I say three. Say, Aaron, yes, I want to say yes to Jesus today. Whether it's the first time or a hundredth time. Or I've said yes before, but I've walked away. You are one decision away from a completely and totally different life. So I'm counting now. This is one. You can make one decision here. Two. The whole end of your life can change with this decision. To say yes to Jesus. If you want to say yes, I'm going to say three. When I do, shoot your hand up. Three. That's awesome. Hands all over this room. It's wonderful. I'm going to pray for you, and I'd ask that you would pray out loud with your, with your own mouth so that your ears can hear. Everybody, actually, I would ask you to join in with it because nobody, nobody should ever pray alone. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came and died for my sins and that you resurrected from the dead. Jesus, wash me and make me clean. And show me how to live a life for you. And I'll spend every day doing the best I can. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, not only do we have some information for you out at the Connect Center that we'd love to give you, talk to you about what's next. How do I live this life for Jesus? Well, get connected to a church, first of all. Get connected to some people around this room. There's happy, smiling faces everywhere you look. And they'll be a blessing to you. It can help you in your walk with Christ. 
But I would challenge you, if you made that commitment today, call somebody and tell somebody. Have some faith. I committed my life to Jesus today. That's what happens. It's fun. It's a fun conversation.